And very pleasant. Good morning, everybody. As always, good to be back with you. This is the Marlins Rewind. And last night at Bush Stadium in St. Louis, Missouri, the Marlins and the Cardinals played game one of a three-game weekday series. Pablo Lopez versus Adam Wainwright. And with a recap, as always, here is Glenn Geffner. The Cardinals took care of business tonight on the mound and at the plate. They shut the Marlins out 9-0 in St. Louis, opening game of this three-game series. Marlins fall the 1-3 in the season now against the Redbirds. Pablo Lopez started against Adam Wainwright. Wainwright, the 40-year-old veteran, looking for his eighth career win and 10 decisions against Miami. And he got off to a good start in inning number one. He allowed a one-out hit to Garrett Cooper, a single in the first inning. But before that, he struck out John Birdie, and after that, he struck out Soler and Garcia. So a 3K scoreless first. Wainwright and the cards were off and running and in the bottom of the first after Lopez retired the first two men Edmund on a fly ball to left and Donovan a bouncer to second he faced Paul Goldschmidt 1-0 pitch is driven high in the air deep to left way back De La Cruz will turn he'll watch and that was off the facade of the second deck a home run for Paul Goldschmidt he leads the league in batting leads the league in OBP leads the league in slugging leads the league in OPS and he's just hit his 19th home run of the season, fourth most in the National League to make it 1-0 Cardinals. Talking about a likely MVP front runner if he keeps this up, Paul Goldschmidt, just beginning what would be a big night for him. Now Pablo would get locked in after that home run. He got Nolan Arnauto to end the first inning, worked a 1-2-3 second, pitched around a one-out walk in a scoreless third inning. But as Wainwright rolled on, Marlins had some chances of Base runner at least in each of the first five innings. Miami left six on base in the first five, but by that point, the Cardinals had broken it open because in the fourth inning, Goldschmidt let off with a single with one out. Nolan Gorman, single putting men at first and second, and with two outs, Juan Yepes broke this one open. And Yepes gets into one, way back, left field, a two-out, three-run homer. And suddenly it's 4-0 St. Louis. Cardinals extended their lead and ended Pablo's night in the fifth inning with one out. Tommy Edmond singled. He stole second base, went to third on a Brendan Donovan ground ball to the right side. So with a man at third and two down, it was Goldschmidt again. Edmond at third, two down. 2-2 two, two, and Goldschmidt goes the other way. Deep to right, Garcia's going back and have to play it off the wall. It's a third hit in the ball game for Goldschmidt. In from third, Edmond. It'll be a double. Goldschmidt's single doubled and homered in the first five innings here tonight. And St. Louis extends the lead to 5 nothing. Pablo then strike out Nolan Arnato, but that would be it for him. Done after five innings tonight. Lopez allowed five runs on six hits. Walked one, struck out five, allowed a couple of home runs. Goldschmidt, the solo shot in the first. Yepes, the three-run home run in the fourth inning for Pablo, 85 pitches. 56 strikes. Richard Blyer out of the bullpen for the sixth with Adam Wainwright having set down the side in order in the top of the sixth for the first time in the game. In the bottom of the sixth, Blyer allowed a one-out double to Dylan Carlson and then had to go after that man again, Juan Yepes. 1-0 is driven again. Way back, deep left field. Juan Yepes hits it into the bullpen. His second long ball of the night. A two-run shot to make it 7-0 St. Louis. 
Well, Wainwright would pitch another one, two, three inning in the seven, so he would retire the last seven consecutive Marlins batters he faced here tonight. He may be 40, but he continues to pitch at a very high level. Adam Wainwright in this ball game works seven innings of seven-hit shutout ball. He walked one, struck out nine, one shy of his career best. Or I'm sorry, one shy of his season best. Threw a couple of wild pitches for Wainwright, 101 pitches, 69 strikes. Top of the eighth inning, James Nail made his Major League debut, worked a scoreless inning for the Cardinals. In the bottom of the eighth, Tommy Nance in his second inning of work after a three-strikeout, one-hit seventh, allowed a leadoff double to Nolan Gorman. Gorman would score on a Dylan Carlson triple, and then Carlson would score on what was scored a wild pitch charge to the pitcher Tommy Nance. It really should have been a pass ball against Jacob Stallings, but a generous official scoring decision, at least as it relates to Stallings, not so much as it relates to Nance, made that run an earned run, and that made it a 9-0 game. Jake Woodford got the ninth for St. Louis. Avi Garcia, ground ball to third. Jesus Sanchez, a ground ball to third. And then Eric Gonzalez would come on defensively in the eighth inning for Miguel Rojas at shortstop in his first at bat, a ground ball to short. And that's how this one ends. Cardinals nine and the Marlins nothing. So St. Louis takes the opening game of this three-game set here at Bush Stadium. For the Cardinals, nine runs, 11 hits, no errors. They strand three. Miami shut out for the fifth time this year. No runs, eight hits, no errors. Six left on base. Adam Wainwright, the winner, six and five. Pablo Lopez, the loser, five and four. Time of the ball game was two hours, 40 minutes. Cardinals move eight games over 500 at 42 and 34. They're now 23 and 15 here at Bush Stadium. And half game by first place Milwaukee in the National League Central. The Brewers off tonight. They'll start a series against Tampa Bay tomorrow night at the Trop. Meanwhile, the Marlins, who came in having won four of six, fall to 33 and 39 on the season. While they're 19 and 16 at Lone Depot Park, they're now 14 and 23 on the road with this 9-0 loss to the Cardinals. The one offensive bright spot for Miami in this one, Garrett Cooper. He went three for three, two singles, a double. He also walked, so he was on base all four times. Cooper, who began the night among the National League's top ten in both batting average and OBP, will climb on both charts as the night winds down here tonight. He had a perfect night, three hits and a walk, but the Marlins have a very imperfect night and a 9-0 loss to the Cardinals. The Marlins and Nation again working together to strike out cancer in our communities. Every time Marlins pitcher records a strikeout this season, $25 donated to AutoNation's Drive Pick Initiative to support cancer research. Tonight, 11 strikeouts, 5 by Pablo Lopez in the first 5 innings. And then Tommy Nance struck out 6 in his 2 innings of work. He allowed three hits and two runs, but in two innings, Tommy Nance records 6K. So 11 total from Miami Hurlers tonight. That's $275. AutoNation's Drive Pick Initiative for the season now. 623 strikeouts total. $15,575 to AutoNation's Drive Pink Initiative. Cardinals pound the Marlins in game one. Before we hear from Donnie and Pablo, let's pause for a quick commercial break. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy 
happy price, price line. Back with you on Marlins Rewind. Let's hear from the skipper Don Mattingly after the Cardinals hammered the Marlins in game one at Bush Stadium last night. Donnie with Pablo, I think both home runs came off the changeup. Did it look like maybe the Cardinals were sitting a little bit on that pitch, really looking for it tonight? Uh, it's usually, I mean, they know it's not not only them, but everybody knows he's, he's what kind of changeup he's got. I think the first one was a cutter, though, uh, from for Goldschmidt. Tried to get that thing away from him and left it right there in the middle. Um, yeah, so, yeah. Does it seem like maybe there are still, you know, we've seen some mixed results since he's come back from getting hit by that pitch. Does it seem like maybe there are still a few things he's he's trying to work through in these last couple of starts? I think they're always, you know, all our guys are always trying to work through something. I don't think it's have, it, have anything to do with the hand anymore. I think we're past that. Mm-hmm. Just a matter of, you know, making sure the quality is good uh, with his stuff. And actually, after the, the home run, he seemed to get in a little bit of a groove. I thought he was going to roll. He felt pretty good about the game at that point. Uh, I felt like our guys early, especially early, were were having a good good approach with Wainwright where it wasn't like we were too anxious. It felt like we worked. Not that we were trying to work counts, but like it, everything was deep. Guys were seeing pitches. Uh, he's the kind of guy that's not going to give in. He's going to keep adding and subtracting and making you 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 think. And, and we just weren't. As the game got away from us, I thought the three-run homer hurt us, and then I thought the Goldie double really hurt us uh, to get us five. And then it was like, got, I felt like we got flat after that. So uh, that was a that was a tough part of that. Just with Pablo, obviously him and Sandy for so long. Just how much do you need Pablo maybe to be a little bit more consistent? Just in order, you say so much about starting pitching sets the tone for a game. Yeah, I mean, obviously we need our guys to be good uh, at all times, um, you know. And, and obviously we, we were count, we were leaning pretty heavily on Pablo. He was he was rolling right there along with Sandy, um, you know. And we've had a little bit of a hiccup with that. So you know, the other guys got to pick us up. Uh, we got to, you know, that one just didn't go our. It seemed like we didn't really play badly. We just we had we got out there a little bit early. We weren't able to get any hits to get the game back in order. Uh, and then, the, you know, then with, it just seemed to creep away from us as the game went on. Uh, replacing Miggy with Eric, anything behind that? No, just to get him off his feet at that point. Just, you know, Miggy's going, been going hard, and, he, and he's got the little foot thing. I think anytime we can get him off his feet, we'll try to do it. Uh, and you mentioned Bolchman again, a home run, the double. Yes. What is it about a guy like the challenge to facing him? Well, he handles a lot of pitches. Like early on, we caught him in a bad time, and it's the first time I think I feel like in a long time that we've caught him in a stretch where he wasn't swinging great. So we caught him early. Uh, we're able to handle him, and I know he's been on fire since. It seems like uh, you can see it starting to come out at the end of that series uh, in Miami, and now he's you know he's one of those guys. He, he's he's good at what he does. He handles a lot of pitches. He got power to all fields. You know, he makes you throw the ball to certain parts of the plate. He's not just giving in to, to anything. He's making you work. What about Yepes, the rookie with the two home Yeah, that that was um, obviously impressive uh, tonight. And we felt like we had a pretty good idea what we wanted to do with him. We just didn't get the ball where we needed to today. Um, so, uh, obviously, he hurt us today. The birdie cut stealing early in the game is the most frustrating aspect of that kind of. It looked like he got the bag. We could see him saying, "You know, he pushed me." It's it's the contact that kind of pulls him off the bag in that situation. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what he was frustrated about. Yeah. Obviously, that's not the spirit of the replay, right? right. He, f- he feels Nolan coming over him, and you know, Nolan, it wasn't it. Obviously, it wasn't, wasn't an intentional push. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he feels him coming over him, and he's trying to just brace himself, which takes him off the bag. Uh, obviously, not the spirit of that play, but we've seen it ever since. I think it's a byproduct of replay. You know, we see it at second base where guys barely come off. They're safe, but they barely come off. It's kind of the, you know, one of the byproducts of the replay. Have you been able to pinpoint anything with Mel with some of Richard's struggles and anything you guys can maybe tell to get him going a little bit? Yeah, we're just not getting the ball the right parts of the play with Richard. I mean, I mean, he's a he's got to be precise with his stuff. I mean, if you keep looking at those home runs, they're they're kind of middle-ish of the plate. They're they're not down. They're not descriptively down. They're they're kind of thigh, middle thigh, and it's just an area he can't live in, and he just hasn't been able to get consistent with his sink and get it to the right parts of the plate. He's been consistent for so long, too, so it's, it's very atypical. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, he's been so good since we acquired him, right? And it's so good. And this is the first stretch. We, well, we've seen it in spring training because he's kind of always a guy that works into spring training. And we've seen it early in seasons, but it seems like once he got it going, um, he was able to get it rolling. And this year he has not been able to – it's been one of those years where he hasn't, he hasn't been able to get to the ball to the right parts of the plate. That was Don Mattingly after the Marlins lost to the Cardinals in game one last night. As we wrap things up, let's hear from the right-hander and the starter last night, Pablo Lopez. Pablo, we know, you know, all opponents are well aware of your changeup. Did you feel like, though, in particular tonight, Cardinals are really looking for that pitch? I think they had a really good game plan against me. Obviously, like you mentioned, a lot of changeups, And I think where I made a lot of mistakes was... I was not successful at changing the eye levels. So, you know, you got to use your fastball to change the eye levels and you want to keep the fastball alive. So I think I didn't do a great job. We attempted to do it. I just I was not getting the fastball there, you know, like which kept me in the same area. So the strike zone, which is a very dangerous place to be, especially when you have a lineup like that. So I think just not being able to use every part of the strike zone, not being able to expand up there made me very predictable to the areas I was going to attack with my pitches, which led to a lot of mistakes, a lot of pitches over the plate, and I think they were ready for those. In particular, what made that matchup so difficult tonight? Really good hitter. Really good hitter. I think a lot of uh, good approach. I think he's aggressive when he needs to be aggressive. I think he takes pitches when he needs to, and I think... uh, First at bat, mistake pitch, and he, I mean, he's not going to miss those. And then second at bat, good changer, but, I mean, good hitter. You know, like, it's, you have to make sure that you keep a mix, you keep you keep a, a steady mix of your pitch, pitch's location. I think he's just a good hitter. Uh, he got me three times, and that's what good hitters will do. They will try to make do their reports, and they'll feed off of what you're showing that day. Going back to what you said before, I guess we're looking at some of the numbers over the months. Uh, not as many, I guess, pitches on the edges of the zone you're hitting. Does that just go back to what you were saying, I guess, early on in the season, you were finding maybe like on the corners, or you were finding, you know, now it seems like maybe stuff is more in the middle of the plate. Or... Yeah, obviously, bigger sample size. So I think hitters are able to look at certain areas of the strikes on where I'll be. And if I see that they might not be swinging or reaching, then you'll find yourself as a pitcher catching more of the strike zone because you'll, you'll find yourself in one, uh, one oh, two oh counts and then you got to 
you want to go back in the strike zone, which sometimes leads to being too much, too much play. And you want to be fine, but you also want to be on the attack. So I think sometimes wanting to be too fine, too perfect, leads to go back in the count, which makes you try throwing the strike zone. So I think the more ahead in the, in the count that you are, you're able to play with those edges, the more behind that you are, you don't have the luxury and you have to just try to find a strike zone, which can be a lot of play sometimes. Yeah, as you're going through that balance of these last, uh, excluding the Colorado Star, you had a road gallery this past month. Any level of frustration with, after such a good first two months of the results aren't, haven't been there, especially knowing how much the team is relying on you and Sandy and the rest of the pitching staff to try to set the tone, keep you guys in there? Yeah, obviously there's the frustration because as a starter, you want to be the guy that can, the team can count on every fifth day, you know, like especially like, I take a lot of pride on being the guy that can help the bullpen out, that can go out and give the bullpen the help they need. And, you know, like nights like tonight where I only go five innings, like it really, really stinks. Like it really like sticks with me that I wasn't able to provide that much, that support for the bullpen. So it's just the little things that, you know, like you want to be good, not for your own good, not for your own stats, but for something greater than you, you know, like to help the team win, to help the bullpen out, to help the other starters. So I think the frustration is because there's been times that I know I could have given the team more and I wasn't able to do that. So it's just because I know, like, I want to be the guy that can, can help everyone in the team. I'm curious the evolution of your usage of the sinker versus cutter over maybe this season, over the past couple seasons. It seems like today, I guess Goldie got the cutter. I think you've thrown out a bit more than I guess the sinker in years past, maybe you might have the other way around. Yeah, the, the cutter's been a huge improvement for the last couple of seasons, and I think using it to expand on the on that side, on my glove side, the strike zone, you know, because, like, sinker change them, we try to, for the most part, they stay to one part of the strike zone, so being able to have that cutter to expand to the other side of the strike zone, it's just to keep a steady mix of, like, changing looks, you know, like, if you work in and in, then you might have you might have chance to expand out. Same thing, if you start out, 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 you might have room to start in. So it's just different looks trying to use every inch of the strike zone. How do you think that cutter's playing, I guess, recently? At least I think some of the numbers show it's getting hit a bit. Uh, does this seem that way when you're throwing it, or...? Uh, it's it's a tricky one because when the location or the action's there, I think it's an act, it could be an action pitch, it could be a put away pitch. The some the times that it's not there, it's a very hittable pitch I, uh, against righties for the most part. Because if it's not doing what it's supposed to, it's just spinning in there like a slower fastball, and sometimes it, catch, it can catch too much of the play. So I think it's a pitch that if the feel for it is, is there that day, if you're able to throw it, to execute it to play with it the right way that you're supposed to, I think it can be very effective, but it's also one that you have to be careful because if it catches too much of the play, like if the movement is more lateral uh, more lateral rather than going down, then you can catch a barrel in here and there. So it's just having that uh, finesse with it, that you're using it, but like you want to use it in the right spots, you want to make sure that you're not missing over the play. So it's just, you, you got to play with it and just be careful with it sometimes. That was Pablo Lopez after the Marlins lost to the Cardinals in Game 1 last night. Game 2 of this series comes your way at 7.45 this evening when Braxton Garrett opposes Dakota Hudson. We'll hit the air back home at 7.10 with Marlins on deck. And as always, we hope you'll find some time to join us on the Marlins Radio Network, driven by AutoNation.